passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. We have the first and ten. In stride, Steve Smith. Brought down by Rambo. It's a second down and ten in the seventh play of the game opening drive by Baltimore. Right in the middle. And inside the five. West in the backfield. With Juszczyk. Wide open. The running back. That is a touchdown. Terrence West. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Finsider Radio. My name is Matthew Kanat. I am your host. I have my beautiful, amazingly talented co-host with me, Sutton and House. And McKinney is uh, missing in action, but he's behind the scenes. You know, he does a lot for us during the show, but we have to pick up his slack as usual, as we've been doing the past several weeks. House and Sutton, welcome back to the show. House, you've been uh, on and off the past few weeks, almost didn't make it tonight. House has a very important job. And he uh, did a dinner tonight for over 600 people. Yep. So hats off to That's, you, House. Thank you. you know, I appreciate people, that. People like Sutton and I, we just come home and sit and watch, you know, Nickelodeon or something. But we end up being here because we're committed and dedicated to the livelihood of Finsider Radio. Hashtag Finsider Radio, unlike House, who, by the way, um, told <laughs> us 10 minutes before we came on the air tonight. You know what he said to us, Sutton? <laughs> Uh, actually, I do. I was there. Yeah, I was there. Do you want to do you want to tell everyone what House told us today, ten minutes before we went on the air? Um, he said that his wife got home and that he yeah. was going to give her some smooches. Yeah. And that he would be on in five minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. And then I went and pit. Yeah, um, I wonder if those smooches turned into anything else, House. No, not yet. But that's after well, the show. Well, I mean. It was five minutes, okay? So it was, <laughs> it was a little, ten minutes that's before a little, the show. That's a little, he that's a little too long. Five. That might be a too long. A lot can happen okay. for House in five minutes. 
Exactly. <laughs> yes, it absolutely, it absolutely can. All right. Um, just a quick note before we get into what we need to talk about tonight. Last week, as of about 1 o'clock p.m. today, over the past week, we had 11,401 listeners. And that is the most we have had since we've been on the air since mid-July. So huge thank you to all of you who, who tuned in last week and tuned in this past week and are now tuning in tonight to listen to us talk once again. You know, guys, you all should be honored that you're listening. And, and Sutton and House, I'm not sure about this, but you should be honored that you're co-hosting this show with me because <laughs> I'm sort of a celebrity on Twitter these days. Yeah, know? I know this. I yeah, I mean. <laughs> so, so, okay, let's hear some shameless self-promotion. Let's hear it. Going. What do you got for us? So, so listen, I don't know if you guys know this, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I made quite a stir last week on Twitter. Uh I was driving home from work and I listen to sports radio. I don't really listen to music in my car. I listen to all sports radio unless my wife or daughter's in the car. Then we listen to kids songs and country music. But they, <laughs> men- they, mentioned, they mentioned on local radio here in Connecticut that Jeff Fisher had said something crazy during his press conference and that he had alluded to Danny Woodhead and that he was a playmaker for the Patriots. So I started thinking, I'm like, that can't be true. So I went up, I, I did a quick search on Twitter. I found one or two things. I saw the transcript and, and then I tweeted. And when, when Matt Kanata tweets, everyone listens. And the entire world was listening <laughs> when I tweeted this. And my tweet, quote, on conference call, comma, Rams head coach Jeff Fisher said Danny Woodhead is a playmaker for the Patriots. Woodhead is on IR and plays for the Chargers. It, it started going, it started retweeting quite a bit. I'm like, okay, here we go. Then I'm like, crap, he really didn't say Danny Woodhead. So, so then I followed up with that on the same thread, and I said, in somewhat of his defense, he was asked about Patriots' three-headed monster at running back. He said Danny. Only running back named Danny for them was Woodhead. And I said he didn't mean Amendola either. He was asked specifically about running backs. So, of course, those two are the first two comments in the thread because I followed up right away. But nobody looks at that, and this tweet blew up. Uh, 7,431 retweets, 8,731 likes. The analytics on this are eye-popping. 1,028,849 impressions, total engagement. I mean, money, they, they must have scientists, scientists oh, studying God. this around the clock trying to figure yeah. out how in the world this yeah. developed into what it did. I mean, I mean, it has, no, listen, I, I, I've seen it. I've had coworkers talking to me about it. They're like, do you know? No, Scott? no like, really. I'm like, no, I don't know. But you're just denying me. But anyways, let me continue guys. Cause, <laughs> cause I'm a celebrity. 56,317 detail expand. So people looked at the thread. Uh, I walked into work the next day, and I was on cloud nine, guys. People were congratulating me left and right. Oh, you're a celebrity. I'm like, I know, guys. All right? You don't got to tell me this. I already knew this. You know, everyone's talking to me. And then, I'm, and then I see my post on Facebook, and NFL memes did a thing on me and put my tweet there. I get retweeted by PFT Commenter, uh, Barstool Sports. Jeff Darlington even gets in on the action and basically attacks me about it um, and says that it was – bad journalism and I didn't follow up. And then me and my, my followers and I, my 4,500 followers uh, came to my rescue and attacked Jeff Darlington. And, and they went after him and showed him the screenshot of me following up on this tweet. And, and then Jeff deleted it. And um, Jeff is a good guy. He covered the dolphins for quite some time uh, years ago, and he's done a phenomenal job. Jeff actually reached out to me privately and we cleared the air after he had tweeted that and then tweeted that so very much respect to jeff he didn't have to do that for someone like me um but then again when you get 7.4 thousand retweets uh more retweets by the way than some of donald trump's posts over the past two weeks uh you know people come to you people come your way they roll out the red carpet for you and they want to be associated with you my wife even started liking me again after that tweet that's how that's how viral it went, and that's how great it was. But let me get off my soapbox. We have a show to talk about. We have <laughs> dolphins to discuss. Uh, 
We are thankful. So, yeah. Anyway, seven minutes later, um, we, we are back in action. And, and I really, before we bring in Tyler Nickel from the Revenge of the Birds, the official Cardinals website for SB Nation, to talk about Sunday's game, real quick, guys, I just want to touch on the Ravens game on Sunday. You heard the opening highlights. That, in a nutshell, was how the game went. I tweeted during the game, it's like the Ravens are playing on rookie, bo- rookie mode in Madden. They were literally just banging it down the field, left and right. The Dolphins could not stop them. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Joe Flacco, um, with his stats there, just off the charts. Joe Flacco, I'm just trying to pull it up here. I'm having trouble finding it in their final game book. But he had 36 of 47. 381 and four touchdowns. That is insane. They Huge. ran the ball. Big day. They ran the ball nine, 20 times, okay, with Ryan Mallett running it three times on a kneel down. That's insane. Flacco, 381 yards, like you said, 53 uh, longest pass, four touchdowns, one interception, 119.2 rating. I mean, what the hell? You guys got anything from Sunday's game, or should we just move on from it? What about you, Sutton? You were there. Let's Let's hear your take on this. Sutton is screening the call, it appears. So we are not going to go to Sutton on uh, on this. Actually, he just came back. Sutton, real quick before we bring Tyler on, uh, you were at the game. You were four rows up. Was it as bad in person as it was on TV? Well, it was worse because you guys got to watch, like, commercials and maybe go uh, out to the kitchen and um, smooch your wife and stuff like that. I had to watch dudes stand around during a TV timeout all the while still getting our ass kicked like everybody else was watching there. So it was just a little bit more worse. But um, in Baltimore fans' defense, they weren't terribly humiliating. I think it was kind of beyond even – I think they um, probably just felt terrible for you that you were sitting there watching that. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think – it wasn't a situation they really wanted to like rub it in because yeah. it was just that bad. Cause we couldn't even like muster three straight plays of consecutive, like good stuff. Was, but anyway, was, was, you know. um, yeah, so it was, it was pretty disheartening, but it wasn't uh, early December, the weather, it wasn't bad either. So had we just played better, it would have been a great game to be in. The fans there were great. Um, but wow, just a awful game on all, <laughs> on all fronts. But yeah. um in the spirit of moving forward and getting over this terrible, terrible loss, uh we do have uh Tyler Nickel from the Arizona Cardinals S V Nation blog on the line with us. Would you want to take this call now, MC Money? You wanna wait a minute? No, let, let's bring let's bring Tyler in. That's a great segue. Moving on from this Ravens game and just looking ahead, and it's not an easy matchup. Despite the Cardinals being five six and one, I mean, how many times do you hear that in the NFL? Five six and one, that that kind of record. Second place in the NFC West, of course, obviously the Seahawks there in first place, and really in the NFC uh, West, there's really not much competition between the Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals right now. The 49ers are just a complete mess. Rams are a complete mess. Uh, Cardinals are struggling this year, and it's really kind of interesting. And I want to get your thoughts on that, and we welcome in Tyler Nickel from Revenge of the Birds, the official Cardinals website of SB Nation. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. If you are interested in following Tyler on Twitter, you can uh, – his Twitter name is at TylerASU13, at Tyler, ASU13, give him a follow leading up to the Cardinals game. And if you like what he's saying, follow him afterwards. But, Tyler, like I mentioned, the Cardinals are 5-6-1. and one. You guys have the best running back, in my opinion, in David Johnson in the NFL. He can do absolutely everything, catch the ball out of the backfield, run the ball between the tackles, run the ball to the outside. He is phenomenal. I have him on my, one of my fantasy teams, so I keep track of him throughout the year. You have Carson Palmer. Who do you he's not a, he, have on one of your fantasy teams, MC Money? You have like seventeen teams. Yeah, I do not have I do not have Ryan Tannehill. That's that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, never and, mind. And I don't. I ask. Yeah. Never mind. And, and I and I and I don't have Carson Palmer either. And and Tyler, that's my first question. What has happened to Carson Palmer this year? You know, 
He, he had a great year last year. He's been kind of on the up and up the past few years, and all of a sudden he's taken a deep, deep uh, decline this year. What has contributed to that mess? I think it's a combination of a lot of different things. I mean, obviously he's 37 years old. He's not getting younger. He might have hit a bit of a wall. Um, the receivers definitely have not helped him out. Michael Floyd's been plagued by drops. The same thing goes for J.J. Nelson. John Brown has been out most of the season with uh, some leg injuries stemming from some sickle cell trait of some sort. So the only receiver he's got that's been consistent is uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who's obviously one of the greatest of all time, and then David Johnson, who's been a receiver as a running back. So. Um, and then the offensive line, is, is, it's kind of in shambles right now. Um, the, our left tackle, Jared Del, Del Deer, he's out for the season. They lost Bobby Massey to free agency. Uh, Evan Mathis was their, one of their marquee off-season signings, and he got injured early on. So I think it's just a combination of a lot of different things that has this offense not clicking the way it did last season. Tyler, this is Sutton here, and um, let's let's talk about the other side of the ball, and let's talk about the defense. You guys seem to have a, a ferocious front four, and you guys have kind of made this dollar package a little bit more popular, playing more safeties as linebackers and such. But how has that manifested? You know, it seems kind of cute on paper, but how has that manifested on the field? Are you guys able to stop the run? Uh, the way you want to, and have you guys been that attacking style defense that you wanted to going into the year? Yeah, they definitely are still that attacking style defense that you alluded to. Um, They still blitz heavy under defensive coordinator James Betcher, just like they did under Todd Bowles. Um, Dayon Buchanan, he is the safety that was converted to a dollar linebacker. Uh, He hasn't had as much success this year. He sometimes gets swallowed up by offensive lineman that uh, can contain faster guys, but he still, he played pretty well this past Sunday against the Redskins. And um, yeah, that front four that you mentioned, I think you look at Calais Campbell, the addition of Chandler Jones from the new England Patriots. He's been phenomenal. Marcus Golden is starting to play better in his second year. So yeah, that front four has been really good. They've been able to get, get pressure. Um, now if they can just get that secondary intact and get some guys back from injury, I think that defense can really start to get some uh, ground and make some headway. Hi, Tyler. This Hi. is uh, Josh House from the Finsider. Um, my question for you is this. Heading into the year, I, I personally said I think the Cardinals and the Steelers were going to be Super Bowl contenders. And, I mean, like we touched on a little bit earlier, the, the Cardinals have really struggled this year. So, so what is it about the Cardinals that, you know, that – that's really been the area of weakness and what must they build on to continue to get better? Yeah, I think it's been mostly the offense as opposed to the defense. Going into their game against the Falcons uh, two weeks ago, they were actually technically the number one ranked defense in the league, which is a little weird to hear. On paper, you wouldn't necessarily assume that, but um, obviously they've lost that ranking since then after getting pounded by the Falcons, but uh, I think the offense just really hasn't played up to par. They've lost that ability to throw the deep ball. I think teams are covering it better. I don't think Palmer has been as accurate. I think there's been drops. Um, receivers unable to get separation. John Brown hasn't been in there. He's been their main deep threat over the past few seasons. So, again, I think it's a, a bunch of different things. Palmer hasn't had time to sit in the pocket and read the field. So, I think there's just a bunch of different things that really have led this offense to see a big decline this season, and that's why they're maybe not even going to make the playoffs, probably not going to make the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl. We are joined by Tyler Nickel from Revenge of the Birds, the official Cardinals website of SB Nation. And Tyler's been giving us some pretty good insight on the Cardinals and what we can expect from them on Sunday and why they have been struggling um, this season so far. And let me just continue on that, Tyler. Just a few more questions from us before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening. The Cardinals are one and four on the road. They are traveling across the country to come to Miami for a one o'clock game where the heat is still 
there, and then you, of course, figure in the jet lag. Do you see the Cardinals having any shot at winning this game on Sunday? I do. I think they, they clicked really well in the Washington game this past week. I think it was Carson Palmer's best game of the season. He threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Didn't turn the ball over. Uh, David Johnson was phenomenal as usual. So I think there's definitely a chance. I know the last time that they kind of had one of those early games way out east was in Buffalo, and they got absolutely hammered. So yeah, that's definitely that. going to play. Yeah, that's definitely going to play into it. Um, but I think they do have a chance to win. I think uh, if Tyron Matthew can come back from the shoulder injury he's been dealing with, that'll be a big addition. And, um, yeah, I think it's just going to take more consistency on offense and moving the ball down the field and chewing up clock like they did last weekend. Tyler, like we talked about a bit throughout the, the podcast, uh, David Johnson is probably the best running back in, in the NFL. Uh, the question I have for you is, is David Johnson God's son? <laughs> is David Johnson what? I'm sorry. Is, I missed is he God's son? Is, is, is this Jesus that we see running the ball and catching passes? <laughs> is, is he really as good as – I mean, he appears to be amazing. I mean, he stepped right in there when Chris Johnson went down, and he hasn't looked back since, and I don't think there's a better running back in the league. Yeah, I I mean, obviously I'm biased, so I'm going to tell you he's the best running back in the league, but he's running behind behind a mediocre offensive line right now. The dude can catch the ball as good as most receivers in the league. Some of the catches he makes as a running back, is they're just ridiculous. And he can run through the tackles, outside of the tackles. It doesn't matter. No matter what you ask him to do, he can do it all. The one thing that I think he still needs a little improvement on is pass protection. But other than that, he's an all-around complete three-down running back. And, I mean, taking him out of the game is really doing a disservice to the offense. All right, Tyler Nickel from Revenge of the Birds, the official Cardinals website of SB Nation. If you want to follow Tyler on Twitter leading up to Sunday's game against the Cardinals, you can follow him. His Twitter handle is at TylerASU13. I'm guessing Arizona State University, Tyler. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm an alum. All right. Yep. Awesome. Good for you. All right, Tyler, thanks a ton for joining us. Uh, Best of luck on Sunday, but not too much luck. Hopefully it's a pretty good game to watch, not uh, like Sunday's game against the Ravens for us and not like – you know, we could say the Bills game for you guys earlier this year. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Have a good night. All right. That was Tyler Nickel from Revenge of the Birds from SB Nation, the official Cardinals website. Uh, A pretty good insight. He was very confident with the Cardinals and can't blame the guy. We'd be very confident about the Dolphins too. The thing is, you know, can the Dolphins move on from this game against the Ravens and, and can they, can they get past this bump in the road? And if you look at the quotes from, from these guys following the game on Sunday, it seemed like they were all ready to move on. And uh, Adam Gase said after the game, I told him one loss can't become two. We have to go back to work. We can't feel sorry for ourselves. We have to come in Monday ready to go to work. We have to make our corrections and don't be sensitive. When we hit Wednesday, be ready to work. That's how we've gone about our business the entire season. When we were one and four, we did the same thing. Just have to find a way to battle back next week. It's a one-week season every week. One week, everybody loves you. The next week, you're terrible. So just move on to the next week. And that is exactly true. And Dolphins Twitter, and not even just Dolphins Twitter, but all the fan bases throughout the NFL. Uh, Jay Ajayi, uh, when he was asked if this game was a wake-up call, he said yes. Uh, he said, we've been on a streak and hadn't tasted a defeat in a long time. So we lost today, and it's tough. It's a weird feeling. We're used to winning, but it's okay. We'll get past this and start a new streak. Jarvis Landry, um, when he was asked on losing a game in the playoff hunt, he said, I wish we hadn't lost that. It's just one of those days today. For us, we have to get this one corrected on Monday. We have four games left ahead of us, and that's all we're going to worry about. Ryan Tannehill on bouncing back. We have four games left. Everything we want is still in front of us. We just have to reset and correct our mistakes. We'll be ready to go next week. And Bakari Ramo to Dominican Sue, uh, Mike Hull, Michael Thomas, they all said the same thing. Brandon Albert, Andre Branch, Byron Maxwell, Kiko Alonso. They all said the same thing. Get this one out of the way. Let's move on. Let's get it corrected. And let's start over again. 
And we saw we thought the Dolphins were at rock bottom against the Tennessee Titans, and they were. Then they came back against the Steelers and absolutely dominated them. But, guys, this is after a six-game winning streak. Was this game a fluke, or was a six-game winning streak a fluke? Sutton, what are your thoughts on that? Well, like we talked about earlier, I happened to be there, and I thought this was kind of a fluky situational game for us. Um, Everybody in the world thought this was going to be a low-scoring, you know, close fourth-quarter game, so I think everybody's kind of astonished that, you know, we didn't have anybody saying it was going to be 35-10 to on the show. Um, So it was weird to have that game unfold the way it did, and it was such a Murphy's Law kind of game where it's just one thing after another after another, you know. It's the the first drive was nothing but slants and drags, just real easy stuff to the outside and to the tight end, and that got the ball all the way down, and they scored a touchdown. And then we come back, we don't get a third and two, miss a field goal. Then the next drive, they convert a fourth and one, end up going 14 nothing. Before you know it, it's 24 nothing. But really the, the drive that killed everything, I'm telling you, in attendance, you could feel the whole – you know, the game was just over at this point. I told you guys at halftime it was over. It was after the 18-play, nine-minute drive where they got a fourth and two. That put them up 21 nothing. It was it was over after that. That was a completely demoralizing, like, you don't belong here sort of drive. <laughs> and uh, whatever the players say about that drive, you know, I, 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 I saw some comments about, uh, you know, our mentality, we don't care if it's 25 plays if we don't let them score. Well, we yeah. let them score a touchdown, and that was the third touchdown that they had scored against them. So this was not like the first drive of the game. This was the third drive of the game after they had just scored two consecutive touchdowns before that. So this was a – that was the knockout punch right there. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I want to say it's a fluke, but, I mean, for me, it, this was going to be a tough game. I mean – like we said earlier in the week that this was – if the playoffs ended – or if the season ended today, the Dolphins would be playing the, the Ravens in the playoffs. And, I mean, there's there's a reason they're the, the number one team in the AFC North. So, I mean, all week you just heard, kept hearing things about John Harbaugh and how if, if things didn't turn right this year that maybe he was on the hot seat. I mean, that kind of stuff, you, you don't know what that does to a team. And I think that the players really uh, got around him and – I mean, Joe Flacco, he came out and he just played out of his mind. The Dolphins got the ball out quickly. Uh, My God, got no yeah. pass rush. And then the secondary just got picked apart. I mean, Byron Maxwell played well, but, I mean, they were just – he just had all day to throw, and, and that's what he did. And, I mean, coming into the game all year long last year and for a couple of years now, I mean, the Dolphins have had trouble and, and huge trouble guarding the tight end. And, I mean, coming into this, I think Dennis Pitta was the, the Ravens' leading receiver. So, I mean, you, you had to have a feeling that he was going to do what he did, but – I mean, he had two touchdowns. Well, and, how it's, and sorry to interrupt, but you, you saw in some of the press conferences by some of the players that they – Michael Thomas even said, oh, yeah, we knew that they liked to go to the tight end. And then you see Adam Gase come out and say, oh, yeah, we know that they liked to – you know, they were going to – we thought they were going to get the ball out quick. And it's like, well, if you knew the ball was going to come out quick and you knew they liked to go to the tight end, like why was it so successful? And, uh, you know, and being in attendance, I honestly – cannot tell you why it was so successful. If all, the only thing I can think of is we played a, a little too much zone and, and Flacco just was reading the zone very well. I didn't think we switched to man enough. You know, we, we had Pacinger out there, and I, he's, I thought, a pretty good coverage linebacker. Um, so I, I was kind of disappointed we stayed in zone, but I don't know if that was by necessity. So that's why I'm not, you know, overly critical of it. Yeah, the Dolphins did play – Go ahead, go ahead Matt. No, I no you say, go some ahead. People blamed, some people blamed it on Kiko Alonso uh, being injured, but, I mean, he's he's a liability in pass coverage, so I'm not sure him being in there. I mean, yeah, it would have helped, but they, they just had no answer for Dennis Pitta. And I mean, well, like, and, I think, I, and I think Alonzo was only out for that 18-play drive. Other than that, I think he was um, in the rest of the game. Yeah. Exactly. And with a broken, I, I know he has a broken thumb and I think there might be some other injuries there. So, I mean, even if he right, was totally yeah. healthy, I, I don't know that it would have made that big of a difference. They just, they, they seem to not have any answer for Dennis Pitt and, and coming into the game with him being their leading receiver and the, 
the vulnerability that there's always been in the middle of the, the Dolphins' defense. You just would have liked to see him do a little bit more to stop that. Adam Gase clearly frustrated about the Ravens game, and I know we're spending a lot of time on this Ravens game, but we're also talking about how they can bounce back from this game and move on to the Cardinals and clear their heads. Uh, Gase was clearly still frustrated yesterday. In his press conference, he was asked about Kiko Alonso and Spencer Paysinger, how there was too much space between them. And here's what Adam Gase said, and it really gets interesting at the end of this uh, comment. He said, it's zone coverage. You just have to be as tight as you can. When you play a guy like Joe Flacco and he gets hot, it makes it tough. Unfortunately, I feel like I've seemed to be the rebound game for him most of the time. I've been through that about three different times, going into Baltimore, and everybody is complaining about the way their offense plays, and he catches fire. I'm tired of being the bounce-back game for him. So Gase still clearly frustrated about the game on Sunday. This was in his press conference yesterday. That kind of anger, that kind of uh, frustration for you guys, you know, does that – make you feel better about the the state of this team or does it make you seem like, why are they still reflecting on this? It's been 24 hours. You need to move on. Or what I said with my first point, is it a good thing? Because are they so pissed off now that they're going to come back home and just beat up on the Cardinals like they did to the Steelers house? I'll let you start this one. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say for me. I think, I think it's a, it's a good thing in a way because the Dolphins, I think they came back down to reality. I mean, you're riding a six-game win streak. You kind of almost think that you're invincible the way they've won some of these games that, I mean, that Cleveland game, there's there's games throughout this entire season that, I mean, they really didn't have a chance to win. And then towards the end, that L.A. game, I mean, they play like shit the entire entire game. And then with four minutes left, Tannehill turns into Dan Marino and does some incredible stuff. So, I mean, the Dolphins continue to find ways to win. I think coming into this game, maybe they were just – I don't know if they were just skating along or they thought that they had a better chance than they did, but, but they got their ass kicked, and I think this is a huge wake-up call, and I think at the end it's going to be better for this team. It's hard to get down on them for this loss because they're, they have seven wins right now, and, I mean, coming into this year, between seven and nine wins would have been a, would have been a great thing for a team with a new head coach. I mean, you're, you're, kind, you're not rebuilding, but, I mean, it's a transition stage. Uh, you're going into this year with a bunch of cheap – veterans and I mean next year you got 40 million cap space so no one really expected the Dolphins to do what they did this year so to come off a six game win streak and then get your ass kicked by Baltimore I think this uh this game against Arizona is going to say a lot about the team and I mean the future of the franchise yep so and how about you Sutton Sutton is actually screening another call I think our buddy Dolphin fan for life is on the other line yeah um this, so that would be good. So we'll skip Sutton on this one. But I, but I think, I think I'm in the middle on this one because I think you want the coach still to be frustrated. You want the team to be frustrated still, but you also want them moving on to, to Arizona and start talking about them and really getting in that mindset where you can um, get get on that. And towards the end of his press conference, he was asked about uh, the similarities between Carson Palmer and Joe Flacco, and if he expects to see the same type of offensive strategy this week in light of the success the Ravens had. And, that, and here's what Adam Gase said. He said, I don't know what Bruce Arians is going to kind of do in that area. I think they're two completely different offenses. Arians has been very successful pushing the ball down the field, obviously when you have Larry Fitzgerald. He's been doing a great job being an underneath guy, but still being able to push the ball down the field when they want to do with it, working the slot, things like that. But they have some guys that can run, and they like throwing it down the field. They look at our tape and try to figure out what's best for them for that week. That's one of the things that Arians does a great job of. We have to play what we're calling better, and we're probably going to have to make some adjustments. That's what football is. You just got to go back to the drawing board and figure out what's best for this week. So Gase clearly, you know, still getting ready for Arizona while reflecting on the Ravens game. Uh, he did say the guys weren't tight enough with their zone coverage. They weren't on the same page. So I do believe they're going to work to correct that uh, this week in practice. And then, and then you look at, you know, everything the Dolphins didn't do right, and then you just hope that they can come out against the Cardinals and learn how to do the right things and get on the same page again. And I know there's a lot of injuries. We're going to talk a little bit more about why J.H.I. didn't run the ball as much, um, what, what this game meant for Devontae Parker in terms of being out the whole week of practice and how he responded and played in the game and had some, you know, good catches how Kiko Alonso was banged up, if he's going to play, and, and if he's not going to play, who's going to replace him. And then we'll just also talk about the Mike Pouncey and Xavier Howard injuries. 
but we do have a caller on the line. Sutton, who do we have waiting for us? Well, MC Money, I'm glad you asked. This is Eric, and he uh, he wanted to talk a little bit about the Dolphins' uh, slow starts, and I think we can all agree that has um, held us back. So let's bring him on. All right, Eric, welcome to Finsider Radio. What can we do for you tonight? Good evening, gentlemen. So in the last four games, the Dolphins have scored 21 points in the first half. Uh, we know they were shut out early against Baltimore. They were shut out against L.A. until very late in the game. Uh, and that's something we've seen throughout the season. So we know that the coaches make great adjustments in their six-game winning streak to really bring the team uh, to those six wins in the second half. But what can we do um, with this team to kind of really have that outpouring of success in the second half occur in the first half? Um, we know that during Philbin's uh, tenure of the team, you know, they were notorious for being down early and never really having the motivation or the talent to kind of get back into a game. We're seeing that now, but it's, it's kind of disconcerting that even through the win streak, the team seems to be playing from behind so much and really having to give it their all in the second half. What can we do to get that for all 60 minutes versus just the final two quarters? And I'm going to toss this one to you. What do you got for us? Well, and, and something that I noticed at the Baltimore game while I was there, it's, uh, you know, when you lose confidence in the defense that quickly, I think Tannehill is not the greatest, like, super aggressive pressing type of quarterback. I, I, we can't keep putting ourselves in that situation. So, and, and the ironic thing about this is the these young coaches, this new coaching staff is making great, halftime adjustments, but the first 15 scripted plays uh, of offense um, don't seem to be working as effectively. So you wonder, like, well, they're really good at thinking on their toes, but they're not great at thinking five days in advance. So so it's kind of hard to see that disconnect there. Um, So it really – I think it – from a couple of the games that I've seen recently – it usually comes down to, again, and he's talked about this in his press conferences, is not being able to just get that one play to get it going. You know, string two consecutive plays together where you can get, you know, 10 and 12 yards in a row and get that positive momentum. So, you know, it's not necessarily all um, scheme and by design. Uh, you, you have to think that execution has something to do with this too. So we just have to have players play better and we have to have coaches coach better. All right, Eric, thank you for calling us tonight on Finsider Radio. Have a great night. You too, Jones. Thanks. All right. Son, you did a fantastic job answering that question. I'm very proud of you. I, you're growing up right in front of our eyes. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was no wonderful. problem. Yeah, thank, thank you. Houts, thank you for the additional comment right there. Um, that wasn't I needed, had to say but, something. Um, it, it wasn't <laughs> needed, but, but we'll, we'll forgive you. You're like that guy in the corner who just says stuff just to say, guys, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. All right, let's take a uh, break here and let's go to the Twitter live thread. Um, let's see what we got going on. Guess who, guess who asked us some questions, guys, tonight? Caruth. Caruth. <laughs> All right, so last week, Andrew Granado uh, said, I listened to a three-hour show of Finsider Radio just to hear uh, Matt say lit AF and other slang. It's quite amusing. Andrew, one day when I'm wherever you live, I'm going to buy you a beer and I'm going to get drunk after two beers and we'll go out. We'll okay. Go this out, we'll, this you know. two beer thing, I can assure you, everyone, I can testify. I will testify under <laughs> the court of law that this two beer limit thing does not exist. That's, that's MC money's way of getting other people to buy him drinks. Absolutely. You always want to buy something for somebody that never drinks, but, you know, you don't want to buy anything for a lush. Yeah, exactly. Good to know. know. Thank you. (laughs) So, real quick, we get so off topic these past few weeks on this show. That's why our shows are like three hours long now. Um, Real quick, (laughs) I was in Cleveland a few weeks ago, and I met up with Sutton and a few of his friends, his sister and and her boyfriend, and I think there were other people with us. I'm not really sure. I don't remember much of the night. Um, But... It was a great night, and I met up with Sutton, and he was supposed to come to the game with us, but that didn't end up working out uh, weeks before we had planned that. 
But guess what, guys? In 11 days, I'm going to see house. We're, we're going to see each other. And yes, it's going to be lit. It's going to be lit AF. And <laughs> we're going to tailgate for five hours before the Jets game in my right house. Yep, that sounds accurate. We're going to get wings. We're going to get hamburgers, hot dogs. We're going to drink lots and lots of lemonade and iced tea. Uh, some hot chocolate mixed in there, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And it's going to be a great time. We're going to be going to the Dolphins versus Jets game, and it's going to be it's going to be nice. And I'm looking forward to meeting House for the first time, and I'm probably the last time after that as well. All right, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> let's let's see what Rob Carruth asks us. He asks us nine questions, guys. There's no way I'm answering nine freaking questions from him. Pick the best. All right. Yeah, I'm going to pick the best. So, House, I'm going to throw this one to you. How important is finding a tight end in the draft or free agency next offseason? And if it's the draft, in what round would you expect them to look for one? I mean, I guess as far as the draft, I guess it really depends on how the season ends. I mean, if the Dolphins are picking towards the the mid to late 20s, I mean, (laughs) I guess that isn't happening. I guess the early 20s is what I should have said. If the Dolphins are picking in the early 20s, I mean, that would be a good spot to take a tight end, assuming that the linebackers and defensive ends and all those elite players in those positions are gone. But for me, I think between uh, the second and third round would be a good time to draft a tight end. For me, I, I really like what we've seen from Deion Sims. I mean, I know he's still trying to put it all together, but, I mean, he, he's become a, an asset in the passing game, and he, he still needs to work on his run blocking and pass protection. But, I mean, for me, I, I've really been impressed with Deion Sims since he's come back and – I mean, he's really starting to make some plays. So, I mean, it's, it is still a huge need because most teams, we need two two tight ends to, to run the offense properly. But I, I don't think it's as big as a a need as, as it has been in before, especially with the way Deion Sims has started to step up these last few weeks. All right. Um, so, and I'm going to throw this next one to you. And Rob asks, Should fans be disappointed if we don't make the playoffs? Not many gave them a chance to be good this year. I mean, yeah, if you want to. I mean, it's uh, I'm not gonna what say a great I answer. Stop. What a freaking great answer. Season. That was holy um, crap. <laughs> I, I, I think um, I, I personally will be just because every time we get that close to it and you think it's possible, it becomes real and then all of a sudden, it doesn't become real. So, um, yeah, you can be disappointed if you want, but I think a lot of people came in with tempered expectations this year, and our record, um, even if we go two and two these last four, or one and three these last four, we're still going to outperform what a lot of people thought we were going to do this year, Vegas included. So, yes. you know, why not um, – why not feel a little bit more optimistic about it that we're trending in the right direction that, you know, if we can uh, build on this team and, you know, and this has been a team without Rashad Jones for most of the year and Xavier Howard for most of the year. So those are two important tools in our arsenal. So um, I think it's, uh, it's not necessary that it has to be disappointing either. You mentioned the word trending. You know who else was trending on Twitter this past week? You. That, that's correct. All right, what do we have going on? In the, what do we have going on in the live thread tonight, uh, House and Sutton? What can we What can we bang out? Uh, here we go. It's from Alpha Six. How are the Dolphins' defense going to fill that whole Flacco exposed just behind the linebackers? I mean, it for me, it's it's through the draft. I, I mean, depending on how the Dolphins finish this year, I, I think linebackers, other than defense, I think that's the biggest need. Ruben Foster from Alabama would be a huge get. I mean, like we said earlier, people are always hurt, but he's still always a liability to coverage. But for me, the Dolphins run to get a, a middle linebacker that's good in coverage, that can stop the run and uh, become a, an asset lo- alongside of Kiko Alonso for the future. So, and what else do we have? We got Daytona Dolphin. He asked, how concerned are you that Gase and company couldn't come up with a plan for the second half of the Ravens game? I mean, there didn't seem to be anything different in the second half. Um, well, like I said earlier in the first half, I thought that that third touchdown drive was the knockout punch. Um, but, you know, we were – in some of those plays where we were throwing wide receiver screens and stuff, it was like third and 18 or, you know, some ridiculous 
uh, down and distance. So the wide receiver screen is actually kind of a um, a low risk pass if if done okay. And you know we do okay with it. We don't generate huge yardages like we'd like to. But um, so yeah, that was probably overdone a little bit. We could have expanded the playbook just a tad. Um, but I think that was just an all-around good old-fashioned ass-kicking. And uh, we did play a little bit better in the second half, but not by much. House, we have anything else going on in there? Yeah, we got one more from the Tone Doll fan. Is Gates mad about losing or mad they couldn't come up with the answer during the game? Uh, Matt, you want to take that one? Yeah, I'll take that one because Gates actually addressed that uh, in his press conferences this week. And he kind of just talked about, you know, I don't, I don't think he was mad that they lost because he had mentioned that everyone loses in the NFL and everyone has games where you play like crap, um, just like they did on Sunday. Here's what he told his team after the loss. He told them one loss can't become two. He said they have to go back to work and they can't feel sorry for themselves. He said that we have to come in Monday ready to go to work. We have to make our corrections and don't be sensitive. And then when we hit Wednesday, be ready to work. When asked if there was a learning curve in playing in games like this, he says, I think every game is different. You're just trying to figure out for that game what's the best thing to do for that game. For us, we're not really talking about things like that. We're just trying to figure out what's the best thing to do in that one game. And then again, he had mentioned uh, something else as well, talking about moving on and reflecting reflecting on the game. And didn't he say something about, like, hey, this is not the first time we've got our ass kicked. Like, you know, we've been in this situation before. So, you know, he he expects everybody to step up and man up and not pout and get back to work and, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps sort of, you know, just get back after it. Yeah, absolutely. And when he was asked if if, uh, this loss is easier to flush than others, he said, I don't know if any loss is easier get over it takes a couple days and you've got to move on quickly if you hang on to it becomes two losses and then two becomes three becomes a bad cycle and then he said good thing in the nfl is no matter how many you win by how many you lose by it's one win one loss not like college got to make corrections get back to work on wednesday and start over so to answer that question answer is he's not upset about the loss he's upset about the way they played like crap how it's anything else in that live start before we get back to business no man that was it all right, so we're a little drop-off in the live thread, but we do appreciate our loyal followers who came back. Um, I know things are a little depressing this week. I haven't listened to sports radio this entire week thus far. Uh, it does take me quite a few days to get over losses, regardless of whether it's a one-point loss or a 30 or 32-point loss or 35-point loss or whatever it was that was on Sunday. All right. Ryan Tannehill had an awful game. Can he bounce back against the Cardinals? We've seen some inconsistencies from him in the past. Sutton, I'm going to throw this one to your way. Then we're going to talk about J.H.I. after with House. But can Tannehill bounce back against the Cardinals, Sutton? Uh, yes, I do. And I think it's actually going to feed into your, you know, the next question about J.H.I. because I think we just have to get back to balanced football. You know, we – you know, that was a game where there were 40-some-odd pass attempts and, you know, just a dozen or, so, you know, 15 rush attempts, I think, or somewhere in there. And, you know, you just you can't have that kind of off-balance play calling. And I know we kind of had to do that, you know, the way this game flowed. We just – you don't want to have to go that route of having to pass every down, and Gase acknowledged that. But, you know, that's just kind of what it was. You know, that was the situation we were in. So you don't like to have that kind of play-calling discrepancy. So I think the way we improve Ryan Tannehill is we get Jay Ajayi back in there. You know, we, we have the defense more off-balance, more guessing, um, not necessarily knowing how to play each play against us or, or how we're going to line up personnel-wise. And so if we can establish that run game, I think it's going to uh, open up play action because I thought – early on in that Baltimore game, and I know you can't really see all this unless you have the all-22, but in attendance, the play action was working against Baltimore, and it would have worked had we been able to stay in that game. Um, 
and you, you saw us be able to establish the run there in that game too. So uh, it was kind of disappointing that we didn't get to use play action uh, a little bit more to our advantage, but I think that's how uh, Tannehill is going to have some big plays against Arizona it's by getting the run game established and then uh, take advantage of play action. And the Dolphins were down so quickly in this game that it was hard to get JHI in a group. And Adam Gase was asked about that in yesterday's press conference, and here's what he said. Uh, he said that Gase, Adam Gase said that we called six more runs. It ended up the ball goes outside because it gave us the look we needed as far as they're called runs. You're down the way we were. We're trying to at least keep them somewhat honest, but it's hard. When you get down like that, you're in a bad spot. That's the last thing we want to do is make this a drop-back game. We've got guys out there that are fighting, too, that aren't really necessarily 100% healthy. And I'm going to cut it right there because he starts giving us hints, and we know that not everyone's healthy on the offensive line. Here he continues, they're fighting to try to protect Tannehill, but you don't want to be a drop-back game. You'd like to make it a play-action, run the ball, grind-it-out type of game. We got down, we missed our chances when it was at least like 14-0. We have to find a way to get into the end zone, and we couldn't do it. How do you think we see a renewed commitment to the run game right out of the gates on Sunday against the Cardinals? Uh, for me, if the, if the Dolphins want to beat the Cardinals, I think so. I mean, Arizona is currently uh, 12th in the NFL, allowing 97.9 yards per game against the rush. And, I mean, like Sutton said, J.H.I., he sets up that play-action pass, which makes, makes all the world of a difference for Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, if the Dolphins want to continue to win, J.H.I., I mean, for me, offensively, I think he might be – our best player, our biggest asset on offense. I mean, with that run game going, it opens up the outside. It opens up – it allows Tannehill to use the play action, roll out. So, for me, I think the Dolphins need to come out. I mean, J.J. had 12 carries last week. you got to give J.J. one of the 12 carries. I mean, he, he needs to run the football. The Dolphins need to do that. And I, I think they do come out and they do give him the ball. And I think if they do that and they have success, the Dolphins can beat the Cardinals this Sunday. All right, and a big part of the offense, too, is Devontae Parker. And I know there's been a lot of talk about his immaturity and, and the way he needs to battle himself and, and get himself ready to play in NFL games. He didn't practice the entire week, but he played in the game, which is a huge testament to the way he's growing up. Adam Gase was asked about Devontae Parker and his maturation process and where he is right now. And here's what he said about Devontae. I was impressed. I was impressed. But he told us on Monday, myself and wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson were asking him, what are you thinking this week? And Parker really couldn't even, he wasn't really walking well. He's like, I'm playing. Sean was great as far as encouragement all week. I thought Jarvis and Kenny did a great job as far as encouraging him to keep doing everything he could to try to get ready for this game. When I saw him on Friday and Saturday moving around, and then when we went out there to work on Sunday, he was, I asked him, I was like, what do you want to do? He goes, I'm going. It was impressive that he went out there. I know he couldn't have been completely pain-free. I don't think there were any setbacks. I talked to him last night. He felt pretty good, and this morning he looks. I know he's not feeling great, but that's what this league is right now. You're in a car crash once a week. And that, that's just kind of chilling right there. You're in a car crash once a week. But that's a whole different conversation. But remember Adam Gase in training camp said that he had a guy named Demarius Thomas who was always banged up, always nicked up. And there was a certain point in Demarius Thomas's early years where he learned that that's what you're going to do in the NFL. You're always going to be nicked up. You're always going to be hurting. You're always going to be in pain. It's how you play through the pain, and it's the difference between being injured and the difference between, between being hurt. And perhaps we are seeing Devontae Parker really starting to understand what the NFL is about. And you don't ever want to see a human go through this kind of stuff because it, it's the human body. They signed up for this, though. They know what they're getting themselves into. And if you're going to make all this money, if you're going to play the game, you better commit yourself to it the right way and understand everything that goes along with it. So I think we may be seeing a turning point for Devontae Parker, which, again, is a testament to this coaching staff who have molded these young players and even veteran players to buy into the way they want to go and into their culture. Moving on to Kiko Alonso, another guy who's been nicked up and is nicked up right now. He had thumb surgery on Monday after exiting the game and then coming back in. Um, Adam Gase wasn't very um, optimistic after the game on Sunday, said he he's, uh, wasn't doing well. But there's still a chance he plays on Sunday, a small chance. Uh, Adam Gase said we're going to have to look at who we have, who's available, what do we want to lean on as far as coverage and blitz. We have to take a hard look at all of this and who's going to be where. That's going to be the first step. It's early in the process. You come in, 
We evaluate this last game. We correct it with the players. And now this afternoon, we'll go back and say, okay, here's who we have. What do we need to do? And Mike Hull filled in for Alonzo on Sunday's game. And I noticed Hull right away. The dude was all over the field. And Gates said this about Hull. I thought he did a good job. He's so instinctive. It's interesting to watch because you see him move, and guys are always not as quick as him to see things. He's one of those guys that has the ability to see things happen before they happen. I've always enjoyed watching him play because you see a guy that absolutely just sells out. You see him flying around making some of those tackles. He gives you everything he has. Sutton, I know Kiko Alonso is a leading tackler on the Dolphins, one of the leading tacklers in the AFC. But with Mike Hall in there, I think it gives the Dolphins a great opportunity to see what they have in linebacker because that is a position of need going into the offseason. Do you think if Alonzo's out on Sunday, Hull's going to step in? How much of a drop-off are we really going to see between the two players? Um, I, I will, first of all, completely agree with you. That's just kind of a, uh, a good opportunity for us to evaluate what we have in Mike Hall if Alonzo doesn't go. Um, but I assure you, if uh, Alonzo is not able to play in this game. It's not because of him, because he say, he said uh, after the game, uh, and this is from uh, he was being interviewed by a Baltimore media station, I believe, and and he was asked about returning to the field after the injury, and he said when they said it was just a thumb, I knew I'd be able to come back in. I can't just imagine like any normal person being like, ah, whatever, to thumb, like, no big deal. <laughs> like, I kind of rely on my thumb to do a lot of things. But anyway, all right, we don't um, want you, we don't want to know what we don't want to know what. Continue on. <laughs> uh, I have too many kids to have to worry about that kind of stuff. So anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think Mike Hall, you know, he, he's a total gym rat. And I think those are the kind of players that know, especially being an undrafted free agent and being a fairly acclaimed linebacker coming out of Penn State, I think it was probably a little earth-shattering to him to to fall down like that. And um, he, I think he realizes this might be his only opportunity ever. So... Um, I think you're going to see everything in the world that you have from this kid, and I think that's all we can ask for. And like you said, we're going to be thin at linebacker, and it's arguably the one position on this team where uh, you could invest almost anywhere in that unit and probably improve it. So uh, why not see what you have in a young player in Mike Hall and and I was there in Baltimore, obviously, and he played pretty well there. So let's see what we got. All right. And other guys who are injured, Mike Pounce and Xavier Howard. Adam Gates said he doesn't know if Mike Pounce will play again this season, and we're still waiting to figure out if Xavier Howard will ever come back and will replace Tony Lippett when he returns. What do you think that means for their long-term futures? We know Xavier Howard will be here for quite a few years, but going into next year, Mike Pouncey, the Dolphins have to find someone to replace him, right? I, I think so. I mean, I know he's due a big payday. I mean, he's been making crazy money ever since he came, ever since we re-signed him. And, I mean, he's been hurt off and on. When, he, when he's healthy, he's definitely one of the best centers in the NFL. But h- how often is that? So, I mean, for me, Mike Pouncey, I don't know if he's going to come back this year. I don't know if the Dolphins should force his hand or rush him back because at the end of the season, they really need to sit down with Mike and try to maybe reconfigure restructure his contract for me Xavier Howard I mean when he was healthy he was playing pretty well I I think if he does become healthy the Dolphins should try to get him back in there as soon as possible cornerbacks becoming I mean Lippitt's played well McCain's played well Maxwell's played great but I mean for me Xavier Howard he's the future so I think if if he can become healthy the Dolphins need to put him back in that starting role so I think for me uh, Xavier Howard should come back this year and Mike Pouncey Dolphins definitely need to consider reaching restructuring his contract or possibly moving on from him. Yes, absolutely. I think the Dolphins, of course, need to find someone who can step in for him and maybe even consider moving Pouncey to the guard position. We'll have to see how that shakes out. All right, boys, let's wrap up this show tonight. Uh, Another hour show. I mean, we are just rock and rolling these past few weeks. And again, thank you for everyone for listening to the show and uh, joining us here on Fitsider Radio. 
Dolphins versus Cardinals on Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. It's going to be on Fox because the Cardinals are the visiting team, even though it's down in Miami. I don't want a score prediction, but I want uh, a brief prediction on how this game's going to go. So, and I'll start with you. Well, I think we need to establish the run. I think uh, we do do that, and we're able to keep in good down and distance, which we weren't able to do against Baltimore. And um, because of that, play action opens up. We're able to get up 24 points or so. So I think the, the, the real determining factor here is how hot can this Arizona offense you know, how how hot can they get? David Johnson's phenomenal. We talked about him earlier. Larry Fitzgerald. Any wide receiver is likely going to give us some problems. The one saving grace is I don't know right off the top of my head who the tight end for the Cardinals is. Maybe Jermaine Gresham. Is, do they have someone other? I'm trying to wonder. Yeah. Their receiving core is a little beat up. Let me pull up their depth chart real quick, but continue on. So earlier, you know, before this season started looking at this game, you see the high-octane passing offense of Arizona coming in here and you're, you know, kind of crapping your pants. So this could be a lot worse than what it is. So I, I do think we can keep this game close. I don't think the sky is falling. I think this game is going to be competitive like most of the games that we have played this year. It's going to be close going into the fourth quarter. And I think Ajayi can can run this game uh, into the win column for us. All right, House, what do you got? Oh, by the way, tight end, uh, they have Darren Fells and Hakeem Bell, so really no one after Gresham. But then again, the Dolphins made the Ravens tight ends look like Hall of Famers besides Dennis Pitta, uh, who we know is a good player, but the other guys behind him, they made them look amazing as well. House, what do we got for Sunday? Totally game? valid point. Go yeah, ahead, like, like, like Sutton said, coming into this year, we all expected Arizona to be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, for me, it, it, we keep talking about their offense, but their defense is, is just as scary. I mean, in, in the sec, their secondary is great, and I think if they can stop the run, that could could be the golden ticket for them. For me, if J.H.I. can't get on the ground, uh, they're going to force Ryan Tannehill. He's going to have a similar game to last week. Uh, I'd like to pick the Dolphins here, but, I mean, I'm going to have to go Arizona. I, I think that just the way the Dolphins looked last week, they – the Ravens figured out their weakness. Uh, Arizona's going to come out throwing the football. Like we've all said, David Johnson's pretty much the second coming of Christ. And I, I, I'm just I'm just fearful what the Dolphins might do against that offense. So, for me, I, I'd like to see Miami pull this one out. Uh, we keep saying that we, we're waiting to see the Dolphins do Dolphin things, and I think that's what they did last week. So, I mean, hopefully they bounce back. But Arizona's a lot better than the record states, and it's going to be a tough game. That's yeah, true. I think it'll be a I think it'll be a tough game as well. The Dolphins are at home, so I think they'll get the edge there. Uh, but the Arizona Cardinals are so inconsistent. But all it takes is them for they get their offense rolling, and that is the end of the day for them. I do think they're going to bear down on David Johnson, much like they bear down on Le'Veon Bell, force Carson Palmer to beat him through the year. But the uh, Cardinals have a, plenty of good receivers between uh, Jerron Brown, John Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, all those guys who go are shifty and can get in and out of their breaks very quickly. It's going to be a very tough day for the defense. They have to be on their toes the entire game. Just hoping for uh, a good game and not a little blowout like the Ravens. All right, guys, that is it for Finsider Radio tonight. We thank you for joining us. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Be back here next Tuesday, 9.30 p.m. live as we do each and every week. Have a great night.
Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts check it out today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you your budget your life your style and if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check so whether you're looking to buy or sell just go to cars.com it's magical hello i'm neelai patel the editor-in-chief of the verge and host of decoder business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. 